Are you looking for headphones with a safer open ear design so you can hear your friends or the environment around you? Keep listening to the show to learn about Aftershock's headphones and a 40% discount code or head to serotalk.com right now to learn the details. Comments made on the Serotalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Serotech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. It's time for High Contrast, the show where we talk about everything low vision for those folks that are sort of trapped between sighted and not so sighted. So here we are yet again today. I am Rodney Edgar of TechXSWeekly.com. I can actually also plug myself rudely and just say that I'm also doing a show on MushroomFM.com called The Music Stampede that is on Sundays from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Please join me for that wonderful show of collaborative crap or music whatever you prefer to call it anyway we are joined today by our typical cast unfortunately mari is not going to be here because she is off on assignment for this podcast but anyway to my virtual left will be jeremy curry of gw micro who has some important news for everyone that's coming up april 23rd how is it going sir yes i do have some important news for those of you who remember, may remember a uh, previous podcast that we did several back, we did one with a friend of mine, Becca Bradley, and uh, the podcast was called Jeremy Song, and she is actually re-releasing her first album that she's been working on for the past six or seven months, and that will be available April 23rd. You will be able to get it off of iTunes or Amazon or Google Play or pretty much anywhere music is sold online, as well as BeccaBradley.com, B-E-K-A-H-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y.com. It turned out pretty phenomenal. They actually brought in some um, professional studio musicians that actually have worked with Randy Travis, Shania Twain, Carrie Underwood, uh, you name it. it. It's very well done professionally made and uh maybe we'll turn her into a uh, superstar we'll see so if you like that you'll have to check out the uh, latest version which actually was renamed for marketing purposes what you see and uh it's very cool so i would love it if you all go out there and support her that'd be fantastic but i thought it was about what you don't see but anyway you know just saying to the virtual right of the Studio is Ranger Joe Steinkamp of Everything Sarah Talk. Yeah, just about, huh? Uh, everything but Triple Click. That's one of the few places that I do not dwell. But yes, End of Line Show, which is back on production. And of course, on the weekly Sarah Talks, which you can hear me and the delightful Ricky Enger and the more mature and certainly the anchor of the podcast, Mr. Jamie Paul. So definitely check that one out. And don't think that you can't actually check out that Android show or some of the others as well. Very good. And coming in from the bullpen, we have a special guest. Byron Lee is going to join us, and hopefully we're not too tough on him for this episode. Stuck in the middle with you. Oh, okay, nice one. No, 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 but it's a good reference. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's why they keep inviting me back onto these shows, because I'm full of references. I don't have much else, but I've got plenty of references, and that's a prerequisite. Jokers to the left of me. Yeah, huh? yeah got it. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, just don't get me and Ranger started on 80s television. Could be all downhill from there. Uh, end of line show, episode six. Definitely go back and check that out. If you are interested. Five. Oh, is it five? It's episode five. Yes, it's five. Was it five? Wow. Yes, it was five. Wow. Way back then, and it's like being on uh, it was a Christmas episode. They don't ask me that back. Was, 
<laughs> well, but anyway, well, it was almost a three hour podcast because we had to talk about GI Joe and the USS flag. So yeah, that is very true. But now that yeah. we have wasted a couple of minutes for everyone and sort of get the feel going here, we are mm-hmm. going to talk about things known as CSUN, the big, wonderful conference that just wrapped up a month ago. And we thought we would sort of give everyone an idea of sort of what it's like to go to this particular event and to start off with everyone, what kind of like travel accommodations did you have to deal with? Did you actually find the hotel and things to be accommodating to visually impaired and blind users? I thought the hotel was fantastic. We had been staying at a hotel that was down the street for the last few years. And this year we decided that it made more sense for us to stay at the conference hotel and it's laid out fairly easily. I kind of think it is a capital I layout on its side. So you had a one long hallway where you've got the front desk and you've got the uh, steps down the exhibit hall. And then on either side, you've got access to elevators that go up to the two towers. And the taxi was actually one of the best taxi rides I've had in quite a long time. They were very accepting of my guide dog, Darren, and uh, the hotel staff was really knowledgeable, treated me with respect, didn't uh, uh, have any issues at all with that. Whether it was checking in, checking out, or just uh, generally dealing with the hotel staff, I thought it was very, very well done and uh, had a real good experience. And the best part is you can walk right out the back of the hotel, right on the boardwalk, and go to about any seafood restaurant you want to go to. That makes it a, a real nice experience because not only do you get to check out the latest technology, but you get to go and enjoy kind of the nice warm air which is uh, not that prevalent for us that time of year here in indiana so it makes for a real nice experience i rode in 1500 miles one way actually we wanted to have a car on site for staff and uh so i offered to sucker i mean um a volunteer of one of my family members to come along with me uh with the opportunity for us to actually visit some family on the way back in arizona so it was actually very interesting for me and with that said The hotel is always an interesting place to be. In the old days of CSUN, it used to be in three hotels, and you had to kind of sort of know which hotel you needed to go to and where some events are. In San Diego, it's one monolithic hotel, um, but (laughs) even with that, they still find ways to make it confusing. Registration was up on the third floor. The year before, it was actually on the second floor, and uh, the first year I went in San Diego, it was on the first floor. At this rate, I think it's going to be held up on the uh, roof of the parking garage if they keep going. And uh, (laughs) if you were actually attending the exhibit hall, just the exhibit hall, you had a separate registration that was actually right in front of it on the bottom floor. With all that said, it is a pretty easy thing to get around in, whether you're visually impaired or in a wheelchair. The coffee shop does require a gold brick in order to be deposited for types of... uh, Anything you want to buy there, uh, same as some of their restaurants. But that's the same for any convention, as you might well know. The uh, neat thing also is that it's very dark colors. So it's reds, earth tones, very few places, like in the very, very front in the foyer, has white floors So and sun coming in. So you won't always get a lot of that bright glare kind of situation happening unless you go from inside the exhibit hall to the outside of the exhibit hall. But the news that we want to talk about is really on the inside of the exhibit hall. What did you find in there that was neat for people with low vision, Jeremy? I thought one of the coolest products that was out at CSUN this year was something from Optelec called the uh, Clearview Plus Speech. 
And for those who may not be familiar with uh, the Optelec product line, they've had a CCTV out, a desktop CCTV out for a while called the Clearview or Clearview Plus. And as we've all seen, optical character recognition technology or OCR technology is really being integrated into every facet of uh, low vision technology, it seems, and especially desktop CCTVs over the last few years. And so everybody's been trying different ways to do it. And Optelec, I think, really hit a, I don't know if I'm going to say they hit a home run, but at least they did an excellent job at the way that they uh, integrated the speech component into the clear view. Because essentially you have what's basically a square unit that you just mount on the back of the monitor, and there's a separate camera that does OCR underneath. And essentially you can magnify things just like you always have. And you can put a piece of text underneath the camera and press a button and it'll take a picture of the entire page and do OCR, which basically has been what everybody's been doing for the last few years. But they did a few things better, I believe, which is that they included touchscreen into the monitor and you have the ability to actually change your reading order. So if you see things on the screen like chunks of text... It'll actually label those with a number. So it might put number one over a chunk of text or number two over a chunk of text. And then you can just touch what you want to read and it'll read that piece of information to you. I thought the user interface was really well done. It was very large and easy to see and just elegant. It wasn't uh, intrusive. It wasn't a lot of information that caused a user to scratch their head and go, well, how do you do this? Very easy to see buttons, just a few features. I was just really impressed with it. And um, there were a lot of good products out, but I think this was probably the one that impressed me the most this year at CSUN out of the new products that were there. Absolutely. And the fact that you can actually hook this up to older clear views. If you have a clear view that goes back to say 2005, you can actually add these pieces on to give it the touchscreen ability and get some of those features that you're describing. And, you know, Clearview was already unique in that you had the controls for your video magnifier on the XY table. And for some people, they really like that because they don't have to keep reaching their hands up and down, up and down, up and down, just to be able to change a color or make it go in a little closer or to play with the contrast. Some people, if you're a left-hander, might not like that, by the way, because the area for right-handers to kind of lean on the XY table and right is way bigger than the one on the left. So if you are... (laughs) A southpaw, you might not want to look at that. But if you're looking for something to, you know, be a big desktop-y CCTV, and certainly people are starting to wonder why would I do this versus using a tablet device or a phone, or, you know, why would I look at this versus something with an external camera? Because the traditional video magnifiers are getting harder and harder to find. This is a very compelling thing to keep you sort of in the realm of those old style video magnifiers. And if you have one, it's a great addition if you want to have something new on an older house, fresh coat of paint. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like we're on the same page. This was just an excellent product. Very well done. What were some of the things that you saw there, Joe, that you were impressed with this year? I was thrilled with the new ABIC product. One of my favorites that I saw was the new iPal Ace And it is a larger screen, but yet it's still portable and you can kind of hold it. It has a great big speaker on the bottom. And it's another one of those where you're getting 
the idea that video magnifiers just isn't a video magnifier anymore. There's a bunch of convergence happening in this space. So this has two cameras that take a picture of text and then you can actually scan it and read it and read it fairly quickly. We're not talking about something that it takes a long time to scan. If you are familiar with the iPal or the ZoomX or any of those, you already know that uh, the software that the iPal and the ZoomX use is really, really fast. It wasn't always the most user-friendly, but it was really fast. And that continues in the iPal Ace. The two cameras kind of allow the ability for you to scan and kick out artifacts. So if there are reflections or problems with the paper, or if it's slanted, the two cameras kind of work together in unison to kind of give you a good overall picture. And there are simple controls, two Wizis wheels on the sides that allow you to scroll up and down through the menus and use the other one to be able to choose once you have decided what menu you're in, your selection there. It does MP3 playing. It allows you to look at photos. It's much more than just a thing that scans and reads. And you can save things in there. Uh, You can import files. It has an Ethernet connection. It's just a lot in a little box and is really targeted towards those who are in the independent living area. If you have someone who has some mobility issues or have somebody who has issues with their hands and hard to maneuver on some controls or dials, This is actually a pretty good unit and is battery capable as well as plugging into the wall and is great to be able to move from room to room or share with others. So the iPal Ace is a really neat one. We actually have an interview with both Ivar from Optelec and we have an interview with the guys from ABIC over on the website, then part of our Cerro Talk SPN convention coverage, uh, and you can find that at cerrotalk.com or check the show notes. These very show notes for high contrast, and I'll link you to those, as well as we have some information from Blind Bargains that we link to as well, because JJ and crew, who's a host of that Android show, did 30 interviews from the CSUN floor, and I was able to wrangle him, Pratik Patel, and uh, Daryl Shandro into a panel show where we talk about kind of the roundabout things of CSUN and uh, what it was like to be there on the floor as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Ace, since it has two cameras, could you take a pill bottle and have it literally read all sides, or at least maybe most of it, even though it's rounded? I thought that was one of the big advantages that they were talking about. They did that on the fly, and it was pretty impressive. What I will say is that you may have some difficulty if you can't keep your hands still, or if you can't keep that bottle like from rolling Because when they were demonstrating it to me, they were very quick to say, don't move, don't move, don't move. Like, don't move your hands or something like that. So it may be one of the side effects of the two-camera era. It doesn't necessarily grab a 180-degree field or of a 90-degree-ish plane, but they were very, you know, don't move your hands, don't move things around kind of thing. And that made a lot of sense to me because it does have a very wide angle. But they also do say that you can take pictures of a book while laying down in a chair or sitting. So I would imagine that is true in those areas. But like any scanner, you kind of sort of got to get used to it. It's just that with this one, it's looking a little further out towards you. Most of these kind of tabletop-ish scanners usually have a bar that comes out towards you that you don't want to move around anyway because you'll get in the field of the camera. This is just harder to tell because these cameras don't protrude out that far. They're actually very flush with the unit. So it's going to take you a little bit of time to know exactly how far you can get in the camera length before you get hit. So Joe, you mentioned some of the uh, kind of tabletop-ish units, but 
I know that there were some uh, portable units out there as well, some new portable magnifiers. Any thoughts you've got on some of those? The new ones from Ash Technology are very interesting. They are really leaning towards the kind of movement of Ash and Eschenbach coming together as one in these new handhelds that have little LCD-ish screens to really make you feel like you're getting the benefits of a handheld low-vision magnifier, but still getting the brightness and the contrast you would get from a video magnifier. These guys have really been working hard at kind of, again, that convergence, moving things together and giving you the best of both worlds. Those are really, really interesting, and they have long battery lives as well. Really good for somebody who is maybe glaucoma and responds better to light or direct light as opposed to reflected or refracted. The one that they have now that has replaced the quick look, the old classic quick look. Uh, oh, I still got one of those on my desk. Oh, it's such a good unit. Um, they, <laughs> they've moved on to a five inch version, uh, which is pretty interesting on how they're doing that. And the fusion has also kind of sort of been moved away and they're really leaning hard into the Liberty, the Liberty solo and its next iteration which is still here. And the Opti, the Opti has come back with uh, even more features. And that has always been a very interesting line. So for portability, those guys are really neat because not only are you getting the durability of those units, but you're getting a lot of features. You just have to learn those features. It's not one of those pick up and use. That's one of those read the manual as you use it with the unit in hand kind of things. And I don't mean to scare people, but it's good to have all those features. And that's what they do. But it is a unit that you have to grow into rather than, say, something like the update to the uh, Ruby, which is pretty plug-and-play, and what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. That market sure has evolved over the years. I was just thinking about the, uh, was it the original uh, humanware, maybe the SmartView Pocket, where you had to hold your fingers. <laughs> oh, you had to do the pinch, remember? Yeah. The craw. Yeah. You have to do the craw and pinch on the sides <laughs> and to be able to get the picture. Because if you let go of either one of those buttons... That was it. And remember the yep. first yellowish um, um, pocket and with the two big <laughs> round buttons? Yeah. Uh, it replaced the claw. And um, I remember the very first Optilex with the handles, the first compacts that you could actually hurt your foot if you dropped it. Yep. They were solid. <clears throat> I was doing an evaluation with a consumer who worked at the prison unit. And uh, he couldn't have that because he said that it was a stick and it could be filed into a, a shank. So... Could as a prison as someone who worked in the guards, he couldn't have a thing that could be filed into a weapon. And I was like, "Wow, I never really thought of that before." (laughs) First time for everything. Yeah. Well, the plastic ones on the Versa would have been just fine. Those would have been (laughs) not as durable as those metal ones from Optelec. Like you said, these things change. I mean, if you think about where they started from, from that first pocket to the Pico with the legs, the very first one from Telesensory. Yeah. And everybody was, was excited when the Quick Lock came out because you had color all of a sudden. Yeah, you exactly. know, the Pico. You could see Taking color. a picture for yes. the first time. Yeah. It's hard to think that a freeze frame was a real new thing to video magnification. And you hear all these things about Google Glass and privacy. There were people who couldn't use these in Department of Defense because you can't have any cameras that take pictures. So That's sometimes right. these units couldn't be used in say like a lady I knew who worked at a nuclear facility. And it's funny to think that access and ADA and da, 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 no rules are rules. If the people got to leave their cell phones up front, you got to leave this equipment up front. There was a guy I knew in the coast guard who 
would go into the war room and he had to use a brailer. You know, he couldn't use anything electronic. Again, <laughs> these things are, are when you work with individuals in actual vocations, things you take for granted really do come into play. I was just really happy to see Ash kind of come back into it again, you know, with this whole idea of them and Eschenbach together. But with the quick look, it was the first, well, it wasn't the first portable I used, but it was the first portable that I owned. I used a couple of the others through college. And it's just nice to see them kind of come back and, and uh, reinvent themselves a little bit because, uh, like you said, you know, everybody's got that fond little magnifier. Maybe they remember. <laughs> exactly. Ago. And there was even people trying head mounts. There's an interview that we have from a company that was doing something kind of like the old enhanced vision Geordie. And, yeah. you know, what's old is new again. Some people might not know that are coming new to the market that enhanced had done the Geordie. So they might have thought that they've come up with something new because they've never seen it and bring something completely new to the table that didn't show up in some of the older units. And it is very interesting to think about how we used some of these going all the way back to the old visual tech circular blue nine inch screen that looked like a giant eye. <laughs> they, it was really uncomfortable to use. I had an Apollo unit that was, had the audacity in 1980s to write the word portable on it. 37 pounds of portability. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it had an thing. external camera that I could tilt down at my Smith Corona and actually type under it. <laughs> it's just incredible to see how this industry has grown. And, and now there are just a lot of different portable magnifiers out there to choose from. And what's great about that is as consumers, it gives us a choice to find out what's best for us, which one works well for us, because some are going to work better for others than they are for your own personal use. So it just depends on what you want. And uh, it's great to see this industry grow and to see some of the uh, manufacturers get back into it that it really kind of pioneered the portable side of things. And uh, it was kind of a neat to see all that happen this year. And we mentioned a bunch of them here. Definitely go see these in person. You can look on them on the website. You can read about them. You can listen to our podcast. You can do a lot, but it's not the same as holding one of these guys. So find out the local dealer in your area, find out if there's a show coming, ask a company like Optelec or something like that on a sales tour. If they have a big event coming in your town and go see these things, because this is kind of like clothing. You really, you know, might not want to buy this online or do some of these purchases. And some of these purchases are major, major amounts of money. You definitely want to put the shoes on, walk around the store, lace them up and see what you think and take materials that you would normally read. One of the things that I used to see when I was vocational rehabilitation is somebody would come in and go, okay, show me what you got. Okay. Did you bring what we're going to look at? No. You know, ah, man, come on. We're going (laughs) to simulate this as best we can. So, you know, if you read a lot of books, bring a book. If you read a lot of newspapers, you know, bring a newspaper. If you do a lot of Reading your cell phone, throw that under there, you know, that kind of thing. Just you want to simulate these in best conditions or go outside and see if you can actually see the LCD screens, just like you with your phone. Do you have to put your hand around it to be able to see the image? Do you get a lot of reflections? Some of these use a matte screen. Others use a reflective material and those have a big deal. Do you want to see yourself watching yourself read or do you want a more of a matte screen where you actually see the text pretty well? Yeah, absolutely. I I 110% agree. You've got to try these things out to see which one works best for you. And if you've got a favorite manufacturer, go to their website, check out their local dealer. A lot of these dealers will uh, 
be doing local shows. Some of them will even come to your house, just depending on who it is. And also, don't forget Google or your favorite search engine is your friend to find some of these things. So get out there and check them out. They definitely can be very helpful in both the personal and professional environments. And you might see uh, people selling them online, and you might think that's a better way to get a deal. Remember that these things do wear out over time. And it's so much better sometimes to have a newer unit with a warranty. And I'm not just pubbing for people that we're talking about here. I am saying that as a user of the technology, sometimes buying these from others, you might have hidden issues that you aren't aware of until you're in a situation where you really need that unit to be doing well. And it doesn't because it was old or the person before it didn't treat it with enough care. So always having a newer unit or having a good history, it's just like a used car, you know, you want to know where it came from and you want to know what you're using before you put a lot of faith into it because this becomes a lifeline. And when it's not there, you got to think about other ways of doing it. Byron, you mm-hmm. you use these pretty often. What You've got some ideas here? Um, yes, actually. First of all, what I currently have is a um, Optilec Plus, I believe. Anyway, it's a little handheld magnifier, and I really enjoy it. And what I would suggest if you're thinking about getting one, especially if you're in the state of Illinois, there is an organization called the Illinois Assistive Technology Program, and there may be something similar to this in other states But if you live in Springfield, you can actually go to this place. They have a whole bunch of the units set up. You can try them out. If you're going to bring something to read, just don't bring a frozen TV dinner because by the time you get it there, it's probably going to be pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, the Illinois Assistive Technology Program, one of the cool things about it is that if you really want to buy one of these things, but it's outside of your budget, because let's face it, adaptive technology, uh, aside from a few cases, is very expensive. And um, so what the IATP does is they will allow you to get a low interest loan. First of all, you could try the unit out for five weeks in your home. So you don't even have to live near Springfield. You can call them up or go to their website, which is illtech.org. And you can request to borrow a specific unit. You can even borrow two of them and compare them. And then after five weeks, you return it. And then you sign up for the low interest loan. I don't have the percentages right in front of me, but I did this with my iPad too. So it's a great way to do that. Also, if you want to try some of these units out, there are places like the Lighthouse for the Blind and various other uh, like blindness schools and stores that actually sell these things in-house. So you can go there and check them out. That's a good idea. In uh, Indiana, the uh, federally funded assistive technology program is called the Indata Project. So if you just Google Indata Project, they have the same exact thing where you can get a loaner unit of various types of AT, including these types of magnifiers, try them out, and uh, they also have low interest loans. All 50 states actually have some type of program. They vary by state, but it's all through the federal, well, most of the money comes from the federal government through the uh, federal AT Act. And so... I definitely encourage you, just like Byron said, to go and Google whatever your home state is and see what your state has to offer and uh, check those places out. And uh, as Jeremy uh, has to leave because we've we've come up against his time on recording, let me jump in and say right on the back of what Jeremy has to say there is that uh, there are also other places that you can look to like the lighthouses or you can also contact your local uh, vocational rehabilitation centers in each state as well. You don't have to sign up with them if you don't want to. If you're one of those people that does want to get into government, you know, red tape and all of that, they're still a great resource and can provide you other great resources because that's what they're there for, to be able to give you other public assistance and ideas of where you can get some of that 
and just like some of the programs that Jeremy and Byron have mentioned already. Well, Jeremy's tagged out, Rodney's back, but uh, he's going to sound a little different. Is the caller there? Uh, The caller is here, and Time Warner Cable is failing me by not being able to provide me with television or internet service at the moment, so no Walking Dead for me. At least the audio team prefers that over... Oh, I used the S word. I'm not supposed to use the S word. (gasps) I know Patrick loves that word. You know how much Patrick loves that word. So we've also enticed, suckered, volunteered Byron on this particular podcast to come in and talk about some portability here because this gentleman has not only a Nexus 7, but he has one of them newfangled smaller iPad-y things called the Mini. And we thought uh, it would be good for our conversation because so many of you wrote in <laughs> last month about how we felt about apples and and oranges i mean apples and pcs that we should probably bring someone else in to enjoy the love of comparing devices and uh let you get another outside perspective of what these devices are like actually the way that i won the way that i got my ipad mini is that i'm a big fan of chris perillo um i don't know if you remember him from tech tv Oh, back in the day. Yeah. You can follow him and Morgan Webb and Adam Sessler and, oh yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Those were the days (laughs) and, you know, curse you Comcast for turning it into G4 and killing it slowly. And and now the Esquire channel. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, so Chris Perillo now has a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash locker gnome. Insert plug here. And he was doing a New Year's Eve stream on YouTube live. And he said on Twitter, if you tweet the tweet that I quoted, you could win an iPad mini on our New Year's Eve subservient Chris episode where he would basically take donations and do whatever the viewers asked him to. And so I tweeted the tweet that he quoted and at midnight he did the random username picker, I guess. I don't know what he used. And he said, Byron Lee, Byron Lee, is this him? Is this our winner? Byron Lee? And I was like, oh my God, I want an iPad. I never win anything. I actually won my Optilec as well. But anyway, that's another story. So after having the iPad mini, do you actually feel like you have won something? You know, I like the iPad mini and uh, I bought my Nexus 7 before I got the uh, iPad mini and I wasn't planning on buying an iPad mini because I already had an iPad 2. And the only reason why I would want an iPad mini is so that I could lay around in bed and mess around with an iOS device. But I had already invested in a stand that holds my iPad 2. So I probably would not have spent the money on the iPad Mini hadn't I already bought a Nexus 7 and had a stand and had I not won the iPad Mini. Suffice to say, I really do enjoy it. Yeah, I have the iPad 3 limited edition from last year before they brought out the 4, but it does have the Retina display. And I've been able to play with a Nexus 7 at work. Uh, but the biggest thing that I notice is the screen difference. The screen with the Nexus 7 is by far nowhere near close to the clarity and readability to me of the iPad with Retina. Yeah, which the iPad mini does not have. And that's another difference between my iPad 2 and my iPad mini. The iPad mini actually has Siri and dictation. I wish I could make my iPad 2 have it, but it doesn't. I will say the screen clarity between the Nexus 7 and the iPad mini is 
very different. Uh, the Nexus 7 will do higher resolution video and has more pixels. It's basically 1280 by 800, uh, which is a 15 by 9 aspect ratio. The iPad mini has slightly more viewable real estate, but it only has 1024 by 768 pixels and it only does 4.3 aspect ratio. Well, you've used both stores now and you know kind of the go between here and you've used magnification, I guess now a little bit now on 4.2.2 as well as zoom mm-hmm. on the iPad mini with that said, without going too techy with like speed and apps and yada, 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 yada. Do you feel from the accessibility standpoint that there's a benefit to using zoom or the uh, one in Android as far as clarity or things like that? I mean, is there, if you've got to reach for one, do you reach for one over the other or is it okay that, Oh, that one's near me. I'll use that. I don't mind using that. Yeah, I, I do kind of use whatever is near me. I won't lie. I will tell you that I tend to grab for my phone the most because it's clipped right onto my pocket. But uh, if I'm in the living room and I'm watching TV or if I'm in the bedroom or if I'm at work or whatever, I will grab whatever seems to be nearby. The Nexus 7 is uh, the magnification is easier to use, in my opinion, because you can either do the triple tap and hold to get the magnification to show up temporarily and then zoom back out. And I'm one of these low vision people and we're we're all different. We all have different uh, fields of view and different depths of vision and and all that. So all of us are very different. You can't have one solution that works for everybody in the low vision realm. But for me, I tend to like to zoom into something real quick and read it and then zoom back out. So you can do that with the Nexus 7. But if you want magnification on full time, one of the issues that I had with the Nexus 7, and correct me if this has been fixed because I haven't updated in a, in a little while, when you go into an application and have, have magnification on with the Nexus 7, when you go out of that application and go into another one, it seems like the magnification wasn't as consistently there. Whereas the iPad mini, the magnification was pretty much, it would zoom out temporarily and zoom right back in as soon as I went back into the next app or to my home screen or whatever. You've been on that Android show. We've talked about uh, the Nexus 7 in fonts before. Did you find some differences in using the fonts on the mini versus, say, the Nexus 7? Oh, God, yeah. Actually, the iPad mini, the text size, which is available in accessibility, it only works in a few places. So it'll work in mail, contacts, calendars, messages, and notes. Whereas on the Nexus 7, if you go in and you increase the text size, it's more broadly implemented. However, the choices for text size on the Nexus 7 is far smaller than the iPad mini. So like when you get these apps that say smallest, small, medium, large, larger, largest, I often go, yeah, yeah, keep going, keep going, come on, keep going. (laughs) It's always too small. That's funny you say that. I can see that and in certain situations, you know, when you can't control some of that, and that happens on both sides, whether you're iOS Mm -hmm. or Android, you're just stuck with whatever they give you. Yeah, I can see how that in a pinch might be like, oh, man, I got to rub my nose against this thing or break out the handheld magnifier and now balance this one way or another. Or I do that with with some of the gaming apps that I review. Sometimes I have to figure out what the menus are. And after I've read it, I can memorize it in most cases. But Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, it's what is that initially? And you're right, because some of those apps actually ask you to turn some of the accessibility off. One of the things about these devices is that you don't really have some of the hotkey or 
gestures that you might want to do. I'm thinking the ability to invert your colors or go to a color field when you want to. Now, certainly you can do that in iOS, but you have to go in and kind of sort of set it. And if you set it for one, it's kind of going to be like if you set your triple click home for magnification, when it comes up, it's going to come up inverted because that's what you set it as. You'll have to go back into settings and undo that. Did you find any differences when jumping back and forth with, you know, color variation? Yeah, well, I could not find and if there is a thing that does this, let me know. But in Nexus 7, I could not find a reverse contrast of any kind. And you know where that really bites? Really bites when they decided in Android 4.2 to go to this white, blue, gray, green background on things. For every version of Android practically before Jelly Bean, it was white on a black background. That was them. That was, you know, maybe yellow highlighting or something like that. But through most of your Android life, you were used to menus being a certain color uh, until Google Now and that mm-hmm. update. Then it became bright white, snow blindy everywhere kind of thing. Yeah, let's make your desktop nice and dark, make the text nice and bright and easy to see. Then you go to use Google and blah, I can't ah, see it. What happened? It's, it's horrible. Uh, And again, I'm I'm not picking on uh, Nexus 7 because I love my Nexus 7 tablet. I'm not an Apple fanboy. But there are little things, little niggling things in the Android world that bother me that don't seem to bother me as much in the iOS world. So I I might seem a little one-sided, and I'm trying not to be because I I don't want to be uh, your typical Apple fanboy. I want to be able to experience both sides of everything. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of it is that I use actually both of these as well. Um, and there are apps that you can do to modify colors and things like that. It's a little easier to find Android apps that will do that than it is to find uh, an iOS app because it's just the nature of, of the way that each ecosystem is. And Android, of course, can let you do you know more openly things. And Apple is looking at very much a more built-in, closed experience on their end. That doesn't mean that it can't be done. It's just, it's a little stranger. But certainly walking around and you do a lot of traveling back and forth. And and if they follow you on Twitter, they can keep up with you on all your travels. Was there one that was more portable or rugged or better suited for your traveling? Yeah, the Nexus 7, you wouldn't think that the minuscule difference in size on the iPad mini versus the Nexus 7 would make all that much difference. So the iPad mini, while it has more screen real estate, it's slightly bigger, it's slightly less pocketable. So if you've got your Nexus 7 in your hand right now, try sticking it in your back pocket. Now don't sit down. No, no, (laughs) you don't want to do that. But you, you can stick your Nexus 7 in your back pocket very easily. You can do that with the iPad mini as well, but it's a really tight fit. And so I, I just found it a little more pocketable, the Nexus 7. Also, the Nexus 7, to me, unfortunately, was a little less durable than the iPad yeah. Mini. So if I dropped yeah. it or if I did sit on it for whatever reason, the Nexus 7 fell off of my desk right here a couple of months ago and hit the carpet. It wasn't a very long drop, but now the upper right-hand corner feels sort of squinchy. When you squeeze it, it kind of goes... And, and and nothing's yeah. broken, but uh, I think the iPad mini is a little more durable. So when you, durable? <laughs> when yeah, you travel. Yeah, as if you could slam it in a door. That makes a lot of sense. No. <laughs> right, exactly. Because it's very durable. Durable, um, yeah, that's right. Now, and that's I, I how show titles are born. Anyway, no, uh, the <laughs> Molly Wood has a show called uh, Always On. And she does this thing called Torture Test, where she takes these devices and does 
horrible things to them, like puts them in the freezer or puts them in the oven or drops them from a height or gives them to kids. The Nexus 7 did not fare well in most of those tests. In fact, in almost every test, and I would tell you Mm -hmm. as a Nexus 7 owner, it is affordable. It is made by Asus. So if you've ever used an Asus product before, you've kind of got an idea of what that's like already. It is something I would tell you to go get a case for almost immediately. And of course, that detracts a little bit from the weight and the pocketability. But in the case of the iPad, a case can add a lot of weight to the iPad because just the way it's distributed. But if you hold that thing the wrong way and your hands are slippery or greasy or something like that, then it's like trying to grab a bar of soap in the shower. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you could drop either one of these. And I, you don't want to do that if you don't have to. But I would feel a little bit more comfortable about the iPad hitting the ground than I would the Nexus 7. Now, I, I will say the Nexus 7 with its nice rubberized leather-like texture on the back it's less likely to get scuffed, you know, with repetitive use. When I got the iPad mini, actually, when I won it, Chris Perillo and his wife, Diane, autographed the back of it. And it started smearing off really quick. And I wish I'd gotten a plastic clear cover or put something on it to preserve those autographs. And I ended up eventually having to wash them off. But once I got them off, I noticed that the back of the iPad is much more prone to scratching. Whereas the Nexus 7 doesn't seem to be because of its leather-like rubberized back. I see every iPod you might have owned in that brushed metal style. (laughs) That's true, but you've gotten both now. There's perceived value and then there's actual cost and return of investment. Minus the fact that you won this, which is Mm -hmm. awesome and cool. But if you had laid down hard-earned money day one... Would you have felt one way or the other about either unit now having used them for a while? I honestly think the iPad mini is a bit overpriced for what you get. It's a good unit. And if you like iOS and you want voiceover, if you're like me and you sort of switch between large magnification and bigger text and then flipping over to uh, voiceover when you need it, it may be worth the money. But to me, it's a bit overpriced for what you get. The Nexus 7 is cheaper and it still provides the user with a lot of different functionality. It does almost everything that the uh, iPad does. So I think the Nexus 7 in terms of cost is a better value because you're still getting the ability to play Angry Birds and you're spending a lot less money. <laughs> True. Uh, Rovio made the original free now. Uh, Angry Birds HD on your app store now. Uh, Star Wars Angry Birds still costs you some money for good reason. You got to pay Disney now all that money. Yeah. You, you can get angry birds on your iPhone and your iPad, your Android. I just want to know, can I get it on my old windows mobile phone? Or how about my old, like my old Motorola flip phone? I, you know, cause it seems to be on every other platform. Don't tempt them. It's on the Roku. Anything is possible. <laughs> That's true. Rovio is some pretty sharp cats. Uh, there isn't a platform. I don't think that they like, uh, maybe Blackberry. No, it's probably on BlackBerry. It is on too. BlackBerry because uh, I just saw a OSC? review of it and uh, it said, yep, it's got Angry Birds. Yeah, so is the Xbox. I don't exactly know why you would pay more money for the Xbox version, but the Xbox version oh, is God. out there too. So <laughs> if you needed Angry Birds and 43-inch plasma, here you go. This is oh, with uh, multiplayer on live support with your Kinect. I'm not kidding. Accessible wise, uh, you've used these now. You've, you've used both voiceover and talk back, and you've used some of the magnification, like we talked about earlier. What are your thoughts on on using you know these on a day to day? If you're using speech, it's my opinion that voiceover is a lot better in terms of just 
polish. When you go from one element to the next, it's very snappy. When you are reading a full page, it stops when you tell it to. It seems like to me when I use TalkBack, it's getting better, but there's still a lot of little niggling things that just sort of bother me. But I will say this about the Nexus 7. If you're a heavy Braille user, the Braille support on Android is a lot better. One of the problems that they have with contracted Braille is when you are typing a text message to someone or in any edit field on the iPhone and they humanware, I believe it was, uh, said that they are working on a fix for this last time I, they were at Horizons for the Blind, which is where I work. And we were asking about that. So I think a fix is coming, but. When you're in a text field on an iOS device and you are typing something that's contracted and then you stop in the middle of that contraction, it types the letter that it thinks you meant and it doesn't go back and fix it. Whereas on the Android side, the Braille support, the the text messages I get from people who are using Braille on an Android device are not all garbledy goop like they are on iOS devices. So there's certainly is predictive text. Yay. Who knew? And with contraction, you're right, that could come out completely different when you get to definite articles or even punctuation. That could really throw a message off. What do you mean? Why'd you put an A there? What, what? <laughs> didn't make any sense. I, the other thing is, is that with voiceover and Zoom and all of that, you're waiting for those programs to be updated each time the OS is released. So when they come out with iOS 6 or iOS 6.1 or what have you, that's where you're going to see a lot of your improvements from version to version. In Android TalkBack and BrailleBack and other portions of the operating system can be all independently updated. So the version of TalkBack you see in November is not the version of TalkBack that just recently shipped in March with entirely new feature sets. And you have to kind of sort of keep up on that as best you go. The, the other confusing part, and this is on both sides, is that updates and fixes come specifically to certain versions. And what I mean by that is in the in the realm of Android and TalkBack, my phone has Jelly Bean 4.1. My Nexus 7 has Jelly Bean 4.2. While it's still the same thing as Jelly Bean and in the 4X category, there are some specific features to TalkBack in 4.2 that are not in 4.1. They behave very much the same, but there are certain things that you might want, and I'm thinking Explore by Touch with one tap at the moment, that's only in right now 4.2 at the time that we record this. Mm-hmm. The same thing, though, goes if you have a Apple 3GS and they put something new in the next version of iOS, you won't necessarily get it. You're stuck with the talkback you have. I have an iPad 1. Some of the great fixes that came in iOS 6 I don't get because the iPad one doesn't go to iOS six. It stops at iOS 5.1. So accessibility fixes that I would really like to have. There's a media one with YouTube and especially I'm kind of stuck. I have to go get another iPad to be able to get better accessibility and better functionality. And that plays back into your cost factor. Remember netbooks? Yeah. I don't want to remember them either, but the point here is if you start paying $200, $300, $400, for a device, while it'll never be that Zenith television that sits on your floor for 20 years, it has to have some perceived value and some updates and feel like it gave you a bunch of wealth out of it. If I dropped my Nexus 7 tomorrow, knock on wood, I hope I do not, but it's $200. 
Yeah, I did the same thing. Dude, it's two hundred dollars. So it's like a netbook. If I sat on it, oh well, it was two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Apple is a little bit more expensive. With that said, you get the Apple Store. You get the genius at the Apple Store. You get a bit better support if you have Apple Care. You have to weigh both of those very equally in your mind on whether you want to do that before you choose one of these guys over the other. You know what's really interesting is we're talking about perceived value and the Android devices can last a lot longer in terms of software updates than an iOS device from what I've experienced. Because with an Android device, you can still download, as long as it supports your version of Android, you can still download different updates to talk back or to braille back or you know you can root your phone and then you can put a custom rom on it and you can make it do things whereas the iphone once you get past the uh let's say you have an ipad one the value of your ipad one now is significantly less than if i had bought let's say an android tablet right around the same time i could probably still keep things relatively updated on that whereas on your ipad you're kind of stuck yeah and because 40 some odd percent of Androids are still running version 2.3, your apps don't have a tendency to kick you off the island. I've got actually a couple of apps right now that have said, look, uh, this is iOS 6 only, sorry. Or, you know, your version of the iPad is not supported when I go to get the app and I don't really read everything on the side that says compatible with blah, 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 blah. It happens on both sides, and that's just kind of the downside of built-in technology. Yes, it's built in. Yes, it's right there. Yes, it came along with the device. Yes, I didn't have to pay much for it. By the way, none of this is free. I always get very perturbed at people who go, it's free and it came with the device. No, you paid for it. So did every Tom, Dick, and Harry, by the way. We're all paying for it. It's distributed assistive technology as opposed to us buying it and loading it secondarily. But no, none of this is free. No company gives you anything for free. With that said, you have to make a really good decision on whether you want to be able to use some of this or not. The other fabulous thing about this is that you can go to a store and try this stuff. You can go into an Apple store and you can go into settings and you can turn on voiceover and play with the Zoom and see what you think. You can go into a Best Buy and Fry's and freak those cats out by going into settings and going to accessibility and turning that stuff on. You can play with it and try before you buy, before you lay down that money. And we've never really had this before as low vision individuals. You can go in and see if you even like this thing, this touchscreen universe, before you ever, ever, ever get there. Rodney, Byron and I have been kind of sort of gabbing here, uh, and I know the phone delay is a little weird. Did you have some thoughts about this that you could, you know, kind of uh, say yay or nay to what Byron's been talking about here? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the delay is quite a bit, so I just sort of held myself into the background. But, uh, yeah, the magnification is a little interesting when using the Nexus 7 because you'll have it enabled, you'll go from the menu into an app, and it'll turn itself off. And then when you actually bring magnification back up and exit the app, the magnification might actually stay on. So it's kind of flaky inconsistency as far as how you're actually going to keep Zoom enabled or disabled or whatever you want to do. Another thing that I have noticed is that if you go to, say, Chrome or something on the Nexus 7 and you're typing in a web browser, You can enable Zoom once your cursor is set, and as you type on the keyboard, 
the cursor will actually track, which is one of the big problems with iOS. I actually had a trainer yesterday email me and say, I'm actually trying to set someone up on an iPad, and every time they type using Zoom, the view actually goes away from where the cursor is. Is there anything that I'm doing wrong? And I'm like, um, no, everything is working as poorly designed. It, it does not track that often. So the only recommendation you can give on that is if you're in email, do like Byron said, you have to enlarge your fonts, which you have a lot more options on the iOS device as opposed to the Android. But I think one thing that people would also notice with the Android is just the apps aren't as pretty. I saw some apps that I had had on iOS. They didn't look crisp. They didn't look organized as well as on Android. So, or I guess that would be the Android wasn't as well organized as the iOS. So anyway, uh, that's pretty much my thoughts that I had going on with the uh, Android versus iOS. I think I'll stick with probably a tablet that has the Retina display because for my eyes, it's a lot crisper, a lot more clear. I would possibly consider a Nexus 10, possibly, but then you're looking at being at the same price as an iPad. That's a very good point because a 7-inch tablet is not like a larger 9.7, 10-ish, or even like that freaky one from Toshiba, which is like 12 or 14. I mean, at that point, it's literally a laptop without the keyboard attached to it. We as low vision people have to make some decisions. And one of the things that you will see online, if you follow any of us on Twitter or any of our shows, is you will see a lot of uh, totally blind people ask the question, do I need one of these? Is there a difference? What, what do I get in a tablet situation that I don't get on my iPhone or my Nexus phone? The proximity sensor is a big part of that. Being able to shut speech up with proximity is something that I find myself missing on any tablet. The GPS, you don't necessarily have the same access to GPS. Uh, the Nexus 7 has it, but it doesn't have a 3G connection. You have to actually buy a unit with 3G or 4G from your cellular carrier. I end up usually actually doing what I do with my iPad when I'm out in the field. I might actually just pair that with my hotspot and get information that way. Not everybody is as crazy and as technical and has the same needs I do, so I don't say that everybody would do that. But you do bring up a really good point in that, iOS is doing some things on purpose to give you that visual image, like it loads pictures instead of real actual icons, because it does actually load things faster. That was a design choice, and it is a little prettier. You're right, presentation-wise. Whereas Google is more, I don't want to necessarily go into ugly. What I will say is they're more efficient with what they do in their spaces and what they want it to be. Sometimes form does beat function after all. They're an engineering company, so that's kind of the way they are. And if you use Google search, you already know how sparse they believe in things. Sometimes it carries over to the developers. What I will say, and studies say this often, there are more free options. There are more things out there in Android land that you wouldn't necessarily have to pay for. So it might not be the app that you would pay for, but there might be some free alternatives or the somebody's done a copycat app, which is good enough for free. Uh, the iOS world, there's a lot more freemium now going on, which is you don't see a lot of apps charging you $4.99 or $9.99 and you own the app anymore. A lot of it is in-app purchases or free. And then when you're in there, you find out, oh, to get these cool fonts, I have to spend another $5 and on and on and on. 
because those developers don't want to share the 30% with Apple. Uh, Google is a little better with their rev share to developers. So if you do see in-app purchases, it's usually not as high as you would in the iPhone land. The other thing is, is that Apple has demonstrated that when you pay for an Apple device, you are getting a luxury item. That's not something they've shied away from. They're very proud of that. So therefore, they assume you have the money to pay for all of that. And you'll find the ecosystem doing that. You'll see prices in a certain way. And that matters over time. Not initially, but over time when you start spending a lot of money in either one of these stores, there's what's called the Roach Motel factor, which is I've spent X number of hundreds or thousands of dollars in you know store X. I can't jump out of either one to go to the better mousetrap if one does come along. And that's why you might want to look at things like Amazon because Amazon is on both platforms. You might want to read Kindle books or use audible or the MP3 store from Amazon rather than iTunes, rather than Google play, because you're not going to be able to export that stuff from platform to platform. Those are very specific to those So there is a little bit of stickiness there to make sure that the next unit you buy is an Apple, is an Android. So just some pointers there. Yeah, and I'm actually someone who has jumped back and forth between the two mousetraps because I originally started with a, well, I I actually originally, originally started with a Windows mobile phone, but then I got Android. Hey, I had a Palm. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. I had my Tungsten C Palm. But uh, I started uh-huh. I started out with my Motorola Droid and uh, then went and got my Apple and then I got the Nexus 7. So it's not too hard to jump between Roach Motels, as you say, it, if you have some money invested on both ends, especially if you have devices from both manufacturers. The other thing I just thought of as you were talking there, there's two things about the Nexus 7 that bother me. Number one, there's no rear-facing camera. On the Nexus 7. Nope. And normally that nope. wouldn't be a big deal because who's going to take pictures with, you know, hey, everybody say cheese while I hold this giant slab of electronics up in front of me. And, you know, who's going to do that? But you might want to have a nice, bigger sized screened CCTV. Can't do that with a Nexus 7. Can with an iPad mini. That's true. Yeah. The other part about that, though, is uh, Asus actually released one that is almost exactly like the Nexus 7 with the rear and front-facing camera mm-hmm. for 150 bucks in, in April. Ooh. So they actually could do that, and, and maybe it'll be there's a rumor going around an update to the Nexus 7 in July, as well as a new iPad this year. I mean, that's the other side of this, right, is that there's always to, a new one coming around the corner. We're going to have to do this show um, all over that, again next year now? Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'm so, I'll just go ahead and invite you now. Just go ahead and uh, I'll send you the uh, Outlook Evite, right? right? Yeah, as uh, long as I win another contest. <laughs> there's that, too. That's the other side is, like Rodney was saying, and I agree with the Retina, you know, the Retina display on a larger iPad is way different than not having it on the iPad mini. And I do have a brother who has the third gen collector's iPad like Rodney and uh, the I've got to replace my iPad one, but I I'm just afraid of pulling that trigger because we're coming possibly to the end of the fourth gen and moving to the fifth gen. And when do I buy? And I want it to have all the bells and whistles and at least feel like it's new rather than as your friend weird Al puts it, it rocks until I open the box, you know, (laughs) it it is definitely one of those moments. Uh, 
you could always get an iPad too and just like be one of those people who still run, you know, mm-hmm. Windows 98 or something. <laughs> I'm not touching sure, 2K, exactly. it's too bloaty. <laughs> exactly. And to get what you were saying and get back to what Rodney was saying, it is neat to have a camera with a 10 inch screen on it. I mean, you look at all these Sony's and you look at all these other guys and we have a four inch screen on this camera. Yeah. This iPad is like a big gigantic 10 inch screen (laughs) that I could use as my viewfinder. And we say that people don't do this, but David Byrne lead singer of the talking heads or used to be said actually came to Houston and did a tour. And one of the things he asked was, please don't use your iPads because the light would reflect off those shiny backs. Hard to believe that they didn't have otter box cases or something wrapped around it, but he could see all these reflective iPads filming him, which either says that there's a bunch of older people who have low vision problems who brought their iPads, or there's a lot of people who just like using an iPad to be able to watch David Byrne record the concert with. Maybe they were all really bored and they were just playing Angry Birds. Yes, that's exactly. Play something I know. (laughs) I'm out of my comfort zone. Here's something from my new album. Okay, I'm going to play some Angry Birds while that's going on. (laughs) Okay, uh, the last thing you'll you'll hear from me on the iPad versus Nexus 7 debacle is that when you use magnification with your Nexus 7 and you go to maps and you do your triple tap to magnify, it zooms the map. I mean, it doesn't Boom. magnify the map. It, it gives you more detail of, about the streets and stuff. It doesn't work right. What happens in Google Earth? I've never tried that, actually. But uh, <laughs> I do know it the, blows up. The world blows up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. You bought an Nexus 7. <laughs> well, yeah, the Vogon constructor fleet comes over and totally wipes it out. Mostly <laughs> harmless. You can die in the vacuum of space or tell me how much you like my tablet. <laughs> Well, I guess this entire conversation sort of leads you to think, well, I can go with a Nexus for inexpensive. I can go with a Mini for a little bit more. Your experience is going to vary based on whatever your needs are as far as vision. So you definitely want to go and try and shop for these kind of things. I will say that the current rumor is that with Google I.O., the Nexus 7 may actually have a high-definition screen, but... No promises on that, so you may want to take that into consideration if you're looking at buying something in the next couple months. But anyway, we will head over to a commercial break, and Joe Steinkamp is going to give us the wonderful review of Tim Stumper. You are listening to High Contrast on SPN. Check out my new time machine. Does it work? Hit the button. Hey, it's Napoleon. We. Oui. Check out the future. Hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Hey there, High Contrast listeners. I'm Jamie Pauls. I'm Ricky Inger. I'm just on camp. Everybody probably knows that I love reading books, whether I'm washing dishes, walking down the street, doing laundry, or uh, sometimes uh, maybe on the phone. No, wait, I never do that. In any case, when I'm reading books, I still need to pay attention to the people and the things around me. And I haven't been able to do that until now. Aftershocks has the answer, though. They have headphones which use bone conduction, 
so these fit in front of your ears, transmit the sound through bone conduction, and they leave your ears open to still hear your environment around you. Absolutely, and you never take my calls, so I know this is true. Uh, she just avoids them at all times. But no, really, these earphones are very safe and they allow you to be able to hear these things around you and still have comfort. And that's what's really the key. And with the new blues versions of this, you can now do this Bluetooth wirelessly in stereo. So by now, you are asking yourself, how do I get a pair of these awesome headphones? Well, it's actually quite simple. You go to www.aftershocks.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-S-H-O-K-Z. And while you're there, enter a promotional code, SPN40. That's all uppercase, SPN, and the number is 40. SPN, of course, is for the Saratok Podcast Network, and the 40 is for 40% off. That's right. When you order these headphones with this promotional code, you get 40% off the price. That is a deal that you cannot beat. So go on over there right now and order yourself a pair of Aftershocks Bone Conduction Headphones. everyone, Joe Stonkamp back again to talk about an iOS app that is near and dear to my ears. That's right, ears! Stem Stumper from Anunce Productions! The app is really one of those that serves two purposes. It is not just an entertaining game, it's also an educational game. And what I mean by that is, you can play this with voiceover. More on that in a second. Let's get to the actual game. The idea is that you are a wayward little plant and you need to eat fertilizer to grow and survive. You are on a grid. Generally, you start out at the bottom right of the grid and you have to work your way around uh, little bits of, um, well, angry acorns or gigantic bricks, little obstacles to get to your fertilizer. You want to be able to eat these things and you want to make the shortest or the most resource intensive list path is possible, right? Intensive list. I'm making up words. I'm kidding. So what I mean by that is you don't want to take up a lot of resources. So you want to come up with a short path, but you have to get past all these other little obstacles. The neat thing about this is that you have audio cues to let you know where you are as you move your fingers across your iPhone or iPad. Now, these audio cues are very voiceover friendly, so you can get an idea of what's going on. And this is very important because not only can you do this from a visual perspective, where you can move your finger around and uh, touch on these things and get voiceover to speak to you, you can also black out the screen in what's called sonar mode. So somebody who has vision has to rely on voiceover or has to rely on the audio cues in order to solve the puzzles. And that's really, really helpful if you're trying to be able to learn spatial orientation, if you're trying to get somebody to understand what it's like to try and think non-visually. It is really, really a great tool and a fun one at that. You want to uh, get as many of the fertilizers eaten in the shortest path possible, like I said, because you will get carrots for how well you do. Think of them like stars. So zero to three carrots or zero to three stars. The more carrots you collect, the more puzzles you can open. You have several paths. And to get to the very, very, very last bonus areas, you have to pretty much three star almost all of the earlier levels. And there are a lot of levels. 
ton of fun. There is a light version on the App Store. The app currently, as I record this, is 99 cents. To me, it's completely worth that. But if you really want to try it first to see if you like it, you can. You uh, have to look for STEM Stumper in the iOS App Store. A great game. Been around for a while. These guys did a great job. Announced Productions. They've got another game coming soon. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk about that on a later Sarah Talk podcast. But in the meantime, go grab it. STEM Stumper right now. Well, now this podcast is coming to a close and it has been a tremendous adventure especially on my end as i am talking on a verizon iphone 5 if you're wondering what is causing the noise being channeled through our wonderful studio man mr Derek, sits off in the back really really quiet and laughing at most of the things that we say anyway uh we are going to hold the mailbag until next time since uh, I'm remote and can't even get to the mailbag. So if you would like to send comments, you can do so by sending an email to resources at zerotalk.com and you can send in an iReport using your iBlink app on mobile device. So we would like to thank Byron Lee for jumping into the fray here on High Contrast. Byron, is there anything that you want to pimp or shamelessly plug? Plug, 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 plug. Insert plug here. Yes, I'm on Twitter. My Twitter username is Byron27, so I'm at twitter.com slash Byron27. I'm also on Facebook. Facebook username is Byron Lee27. And I do a radio show every single week on Radio Free Dish Nuts. ACB Radio Mainstream, TBRN, and Dementia Radio. Actually, it's two shows. On Tuesday, it's the Talk Zone from 9 until 11 Central, and it's where I talk tech and do more stuff like this. And the Fun Zone is where I play comedy music and do weird, funny things. That's Thursdays from 6 until 8 Central. And you can find out more information about it by going to www.byronlee.com. Very good. And as we mentioned earlier, Mari is on special assignment for the podcast. And Jeremy Curry ducked out as usual since his ride came a little bit early. So anyway, you can find his information at gwmicro.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Curry. And we'll also thank the big blue cheese himself, Joe Ranger Steinkamp, where you can find him at Ranger Station and where most Thorough Talk podcasts are found. Anything else you need to add, Joe? No, but they can check out the show notes of ZeroTalk.com to find out all the links uh, in case you missed any of that information here or to be able to follow Maury on Twitter to try and figure out what our special assignment is over at the Zoomed In blog. Hint, 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 hint. And you can also hear Byron on an episode or two of EOL Show, EOLshow.com. And who knows, he, he might show up in the third chair again at some point. Same as Mr. Rodney might eventually, eventually show up on another round of end of life. And I have an idea for the Nexus next time I'm on EOL. I say we cover bacon. <laughs> bacon. Bacon okay. in the Nexus. 50, sh- 50 shades of bacon. All right. that's the, <laughs> no. I'll make a note. I am Rodney Edgar. I am at techaccessweekly.com where you can find demo cast for the mostly legally blind, but uh, we do throw in the occasional visually impaired demonstration. 
You can also find me over at a brand new show on mushroomfm.com slash music stampede that airs on Sundays from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern as I try to take over my wife's show while she takes a little bit of a hiatus. So if you're interested in music, drop by, say hello, uh, make a request, that kind of thing. But... I digress, and we need to get out of here. So if you would like to drop us an email, do so at resources at serotalk.com. You can get the iBlink radio app on iOS and Android, and you can get your seven-day trial of SamNet by going to sa2go.com so that you can get even more information for your brain. Anyway, this has been High Contrast on SPN. Thanks for listening. <laughs>